Hong Kong's Indian community is filled with people who want to do good. These are people who go out into the community and take action to create positive change. Although this might not sound different to other communities in other parts of the world, sometimes when you represent an ethnic minority, you know what it means to come from a place where life has traditionally not been so good for your fellow human beings. Today on Yanto Yan, I talk with Faride Shroff and Jeffrey Andrews about their experiences to impact social change here in the SAR. grew up in Mumbai and came to Hong Kong about 25 years ago after she got married. Back home, she worked at a school to help autistic kids. She decided to apply her skills here in Hong Kong, where she worked not just with students who had special needs, but also their families. My part was basically as a teacher in the learning support class. And uh, I would provide support for the student as well as for the family. Because... The impact it has on the family is so great that uh, there are so many issues that we don't even think about that the parents go through. So it used to be a lot of counseling and extra work after school hours that I would find a lot of satisfaction with meeting the parents and providing them with that support. So, so is that pretty unusual? Because, you know, I, I'm familiar with learning support in schools. Yes. But this, what you're talking about, actually supporting the family, I'm mm -hmm. less familiar with. Yes. Well, that was out of my own choice. It wasn't something that my job entailed. But it was something I felt was very important for the whole development of the child. Because if the family is unhappy and there are problems there, it has an impact on the student's life as well. So how do you support the family? basically counselling and talking to them about best possible options that they have and helping them with that. So, Can you give me an example? Yes, uh, a particular parent uh, who used to find it frustrating and couldn't handle her child because of his autism. Uh, she used to resort to hitting that child sometimes using a hanger. And I found that out through the helper who came in and talked to me about it. There was no evidence whatsoever. Um, but I just thought it would be nice to explain to the parent. And without mentioning anything, without talking about me knowing this, I just provided support and guidance to the mum and uh, told her about examples where uh, aggressive behaviour from parents has a long-term bad effect on the child and how things can be changed. And slowly but surely, she opened up to me and started telling me, you know, what you've said is so true because I used to do that. And uh, that's how it started. And then I helped her through that. And Wow, so you almost so, kind of finessed it out of her. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, I think that's the beauty of this job. There are so many wonderful connections that I've had with parents and children. Um, and I think I am 
very fortunate to have had this opportunity to work with them because I'm in touch with my first student, which was soon after I finished my teacher's training, and that was more than 30 years ago. And even when I go back to Bombay, there's always that love and connection that we share when we meet. Now, when it comes to South Asians and Indians, Mm -hmm. historically, Indians have had sort of a problem with uh, kids who have difficulties. It's a cultural thing, right? They look at them as different and not normal and look down upon look them. Look down basically. upon them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering for the Indians that are here, yes. who you have dealt with, you know, mm-hmm. as your clients, your patients, what, what do you call them? You're both. <laughs> yes. More students. Students. Yeah, so your students. Yes. Is there a difference because they are in Hong Kong and they are outside of India or is it that same stigma that is attached? It is very similar because even the way people in Hong Kong think is like what we used to in India. Um, things are changing now, but there, there is still that factor of embarrassment. There is still that stigma attached to special needs, which I hope will change because the way the Chinese people think is also similar. It is uh, something to hide away. So what are they doing? How do they hide away these kids? Well, they wouldn't take them out as often with them when they go out. They would leave them at home uh, or they wouldn't uh, be closely associated with them. They'd ask the helper to do things for them rather than doing things themselves. They'd be embarrassed if they were sitting in a restaurant and the child misbehaves according to them, misbehaves. Um, And they would lose their temper and people would be looking at them and you know those sort of scenes they would want to avoid so they'd just leave the kids at home so these people then who are immigrating to places like australia and the u.s or elsewhere to seek special help yes they are obviously not the chinese and the indians no they're not what does that say that says they want better for their kids that says meaning people who are not the chinese or the indians the chinese or the indians are just bearing with it and staying on here, um, hoping for some change. But I guess they're just patient and they just keep waiting, whereas others feel, no, we've got to move on. There there doesn't seem to be any hope in Hong Kong. Let's move. Has there been any change at all that you have seen in this, you know, not very positive mindset Mm. of the Indians when it comes to dealing with these kids or including them in, in companies when they are young adults? I think there is a change. I think there has been a change, but the change is so small and so slow that uh, I want it to be happening faster. Naturally. Because every day matters to them and it changes lives. So you started out being a support teacher. Yes. But then over the years, that changed, right? And you now have your own school? No, now I have my own company, which is totally a different role. I am training corporates on inclusion and how to bring about people who have challenges to work in their company and make it a win-win for both. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So (laughs) So I have stepped way out of my comfort zone (laughs) and taken on this challenge because I felt that that was necessary. It was something that was needed in Hong Kong. 
you felt that companies uh, just didn't have a fair eye when perhaps when it came to recruiting? I feel that companies often have the intention, but they may not know how to, to go about it. And so it's always the easier option to choose and go for, okay, we've got so many other applicants, why go looking? Hmm. And I feel that was where they lost out. They'd never even got a chance. There are some good big companies, banks, who are now looking into inclusion and diversity. And they consider people who have challenges as a pool of talent. They want to make connections with them. Um, I'm not able to disclose the names for confidentiality reasons, but uh, there are Companies who are holding an expo, for example, I'm currently working on a project which involves an expo where students from various universities would be invited to send in their applications. We would have a training um, workshop for the students as well as for the staff of that company and then have a day when they both meet and have, share a day of work experience in that company. And I think that's a stepping stone for them both to get to know each other and possible job opportunities. So it's like opening a door and then who knows where that leads. <laughs> so. Wicked and wild. Watch out. Jeffrey Andrews was born and brought up in Hong Kong. His father came here many years ago from Chennai to work as a chef. Jeffrey tells me that he had a difficult time growing up in Hong Kong as a member of the ethnic minority. He got into loads of trouble, sometimes even with the law. But this is exactly what propelled him to go forward and make the change later on. To lobby for people just like himself. Through my teenage years, I was a real rebel. I got into trouble quite a bit. Um, trouble with the law, uh, and I had the social worker who uh, who really helped ethnic minorities at that time, and there was really pretty much no one helping uh, ethnic minorities in Hong Kong at that time. And somehow I got away with um, a huge mess, and I just realized how much more she's um, you know been leading my life in the right path with work and studies and things like that. And I thought, wow, a social worker really can make a difference in people's life, and I thought in tribute to her and also just to see how much it can actually impact society. I thought I would give it a try knowing there are so many ethnic minorities in Hong Kong just like me and probably need some guidance and, and help. Do ethnic minorities have a specifically hard time and do they have a tendency to get into trouble more? Definitely. Um, it's a sad reality. Unfortunately, we ethnic minorities do have a really hard time in Hong Kong with the local system in school you know when I was studying I wasn't allowed to study Cantonese they gave me French as an option which is not really useful you know in Hong Kong if you're going to have a career here um, secondly they, they put you in, in schools which are segregated you know so I would study with only ethnic minorities and would never interact with a local Chinese person and that is so sad uh, coming from Hong Kong an international city so a lot of me and my friends 
I'm lucky I picked up Cantonese by playing football on the pitch. Uh, or because I was discriminated quite a lot, I wanted to know what people were talking about me. So somehow it forced me to learn the language. But many of my friends who studied with me because we weren't given a choice cannot speak Cantonese till today. And that's sad because, I mean, whenever you're going to another country, you, you want to integrate and assimilate into society. But sadly, maybe these are the government policies that need to be improved. And that's why we're still, you know, I went to the UN a month ago, uh, sorry, about two weeks ago, just to advocate for such change in, in, in government policies. And yes, they do, unfortunately, ethnic minorities, because of, you know, the lack of, you know, education progress and and just the opportunity to go into university, 95% of them end up, you know, in, in low-skill jobs, construction, um, security jobs. And some of my friends end up in, you know, in a life of crime or, you know, just end up doing nothing with their lives. A lot of them actually wanted to be police officers and, and serve in a civil service, but because, again, they don't speak Cantonese, they didn't get a chance to study Cantonese. They can't be recruited in the police force. Okay. So, again, it, it, it leads them into you know, a life of crime when they actually wanted to be police officers. That sounds so ironic. It's like you want to be a police officer and yeah. you go into a life of crime. I mean, and it's the reality. A lot of them end up getting into trouble easier because they are not doing anything with their lives and it's easier to become, you know, join gangs and, and, and things like that. What years were these? Uh, <clears throat> we're talking about, well, I gradu- I left school in 2002. And prior to that, it was really not the best time to go into schools in Hong Kong, local schools. If you're lucky or you got money, you go to an international schools. But again, maybe about 80% of the ethnic minorities, Nepalese, Indians and Pakistanis would go into local schools. Uh, and it was really difficult because the f- prospects of going into university was very less. You had maybe... Out of a hundred, you will see one person get into that university place, but it was just not enough motivation or inspiration or any role models for us to 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 push through. Now it's improving. The government has changed a lot in the coming last few years. There's a lot of government, you know, intervention, but it's still just not enough. It's it's just not enough. Jeffrey, you said that you went to the UN recently. That's right. So tell me about that. What took you there? Uh, again, it was the um, the organization that helped me throughout my 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 uh, teenage life and since they thought who else better to go to the UN than the person that's been affected by all these policies Um, so we went to the UN to lobby the government uh, to lobby the UN to change these policies you know stop segregation in schools um, have a proper um, racial discrimination law well Uh, what sorry what organization was that uh, unison unison is uh, is the probably the only NGO in Hong Kong that really um, is 100% for ethnic minorities, and they do quite a great job. Uh, so it's, a, it's, it's been led by this lady called Fermi Wong, who I told you is a great role model for me, and has been. Uh, she was your social worker. She is my social worker and mentor, and uh, someone that's put me through where I am right now. Yeah. So you went to the U- UN to lobby for all of these different. Um uh, needs that's right if you will that's right and so tell me about that how was tell me about your time there it was very interesting because we were under the umbrella of china you know as hong kong is um, and then when you're hearing the other stories from people from tibet and mongolia with really human rights violations and you think that's a life and death matter and i'm thinking here i'm trying to fight for segregation but uh and, and you know anti uh you know, just proper racial discrimination laws. And I'm thinking, wow, there's so much problems in this world. Uh, it just opened my heart, my heart, my eyes really. Um, 
to to a person right next to me who has someone a relative that's been jailed or evicted forcefully and, and I'm here trying to complain about you know I would say is maybe minor to what this person is 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 complaining about but it's still uh it was a very humbling experience for me and uh, I just hope that you know become people would still be activists in Hong Kong and and continue to fight for for justice for for equality and things like that and I I will continue to do that Now Jeffrey you raised an interesting point earlier about many of the ethnic minorities having a hard time and turning to crime mm-hmm. right now this particular radio series is about Indians South Asians but Indians actually specifically right. the way it's turning out yes um and correct me if i'm wrong mm-hmm. but i certainly think that Indians um and of course not every single Indian but they is this predisposition in everybody else's mind right that there is this thug mentality mm-hmm. with Indians mm-hmm. Indian minorities certainly here in Hong Kong maybe in many places right am i wrong uh no you're you're right i mean it's 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 a sad reality even you know as i said i was struggling to get a visa for switzerland and they really kind of treated me kind of not the best you know asking me to report back as soon as i arrived back into hong kong and i'm thinking why are you even you know doing that there's an american next to me and you didn't ask him to do that uh, but they just have this this you know this notion that you're 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 about to do something wrong uh and there's also get as i said racial profiling in hong kong sometimes the police officers do tend to go for people with color and then they'll ask you where you're from you're from india even even if you're a pakistani you're indian you're indian you know so they always think all the indians are you know tendency to 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 have this thug culture yes so now why is that of course i mean the easy answer is look at the world and there's terrorism and look mm. at the incidents and as you say racial profiling yeah. but i mean is any of that changing i think Hong Kong is changing a lot. I mean, because if you know there's this great this reporter right now who's of Pakistani um um race, he's on the Chinese TV being a a broadcast a, a TV reporter. Um there is an actor who who left Hong Kong just recently, but he is a Punjabi. And so he's on screen and and people like it. People are coming back to me and saying, "Hey, do you know this guy?" and stuff. So I think the media plays a huge role. They who are you referring to? Um Kubopo. Yes, so he, you know, did a great job for us and he, you know, made it easier for Indians I think right? by saying, "Oh, you see you got a funny guy, he's great." Uh then you got Nabila who is a TVB reporter. So I think the media plays a huge role because they used to always portray they wouldn't say ethnic minorities, so they say Indians or anything like that as as the you know, thugs. As thugs and there's always bad reports and things like that. So now we need them to do us a favor back to you know portray us as contributing citizens of Hong Kong and we've always been so it comes down to the media that's that's kind of sad in many ways yes but um, i i see why it could be useful but it's sad yes and that's that's the reality of the situation we are in Hong Kong only they can really help us i mean as much as i can go to a school to do presentations but that's maybe one or two schools but the media the newspaper the print media they you know people read the stuff and they get affected by it So you know I just had Farida in here mm-hmm. and she does a lot of social work right. a lot of charity work of course her her work is specific and different mm-hmm. in that she works you know with kids who have special needs and their families and you know financial inclusion and employment right. w- inclusion 
what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is there are plenty of examples of Indians who are doing really good things. Absolutely. And they are <clears throat> visible in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. So then why does this perception continue? Um, I think for me, what I have noticed is there's not enough unity amongst us, amongst our Indian community, right? I will always be seen as a South Indian or a Tamilian. I will never be, you know... By other Indians. By other Indians, right? Um, you know, they could be the Sindhis, the Punjabis, you got the Bengalis, but you're never seen as an, really as an Indian. And that's, we need to change our, our, our idea on that. We need to be more united because if you look at Hong Kong, Indians have been actually really well off and doing quite well, contributing. You know, if you look at the Harililas, you look at, um, just to name one of them. But, I mean, just, you can see they've done really well in Hong Kong. You know, we fought in the army. You know, a lot of our Punjabi guys are right now in the civil service right now, in the correctional services department. So we have done well, but they're seen as, I'm Punjabi, I'm Sindhi, I'm South Indian, but never I'm, I'm Indian. I'm representing my, my nation and we're not united enough in that. Do you think that's changing? I haven't seen much yet to see that. Uh, I wish we we could do more. The national elections just took place in India, right? And I think it was really a turning point in history because it's the first time maybe ever that the entire country has actually united. That's right. Given the fact that this represents perhaps close to one-fifth of the world's working age population, correct? right? Do you think that this speaks for Indian communities abroad, in terms of their behavioral change and specifically in Hong Kong? I hope that would bring about change because I, you're right, it's, it's a huge, unprecedented event. Uh, and seeing that, I think we, you know, people are saying we should give him a chance and I think that's what we should do. And I think I think all the NRIs around the world should also kind of say, hey, you know, we this be a collective responsibility, that unity, we, we don't have that. If you look at the Chinese community, Everywhere else in the world, they're so united, you know, but you see the Indians, we're not. And I think this is a kind of maybe stepping stone that we could use to to say, let's, you know, be a force again. Have you tried, have you tried sort of approaching the other Indians here in Hong Kong to sort of unite, if you will? I mean, I... Integrate or whatever the right terminology is? Well, where I work in this refugee center, um, we do have a few Indians who are very, very involved very high, um, very well-to-do Indians. And and through them, I'm hoping that, you know, we could get more people, you know, because there's always all the class difference, you know, the middle class, the upper class. Um, so I think by getting them more involved in into, you know, um, charity work, they see that actually they can make such a big difference and there's no such, dif- no, no, shouldn't be any class of classes. And uh, I'm hoping it changes their mindset and we need more, Indians to be contributing into charities and uh, and to play a part into local society, you know, feed the homeless, you know, see all the situation in Hong Kong, be a part of Hong Kong's politics, you know, get involved. We we just don't get involved, you know. This is something that's going to probably be important for us in the next 15 years, Hong Kong. Where are we going? You know, what is our direction? Well, you don't see any Indians come out on the July 1st protest or, or, or have a say in, in Hong Kong's future but you know we got to take this as our second home as well uh, and not just say okay i make my money and and that's about it you know i'm i don't want to get involved into all that stuff i don't want to get into um you know taking care of all the charities or things like that but hopefully there will be about a change what is your refugee center called it's called christian action and we're based in chunking mansions um and 
And I think that's also been an eye-opener for many people coming out there and thinking, oh, okay, it's a completely different world out there. There are refugees and there are people who are really vulnerable out there. Why has that been an eye-opener? Um, because, you know, firstly, it's in Chunky Mansion. You know, coming into Chunky Mansion for anyone, is it's quite a, an experience. Secondly, to come up into one of the buildings and see there's an, actually an NGO in there and that... And there are, you know, if you come into the center, there are people from Africa, people from Middle East, all refugees just being in the center. It's a drop-in center. It's a great atmosphere. And just to see what what a world it is, what a united world it is, you know, coming, people coming from hardship or, you know, fled a war uh, and coming into Hong Kong just for being in, in a safe haven. Uh, so people come in there and think, wow, you know, I'm lucky. I come from India where, you know, yes, we think it's a, it's... it's you know, sometimes it's it's a poor country or whatever, but it's not as bad as coming from a war-torn country. Uh, so a lot of Indians, when they come up there, they go, wow, and, and they, they give. they not just not always talking about money, but also give in their time. Uh, and, and what do they do with their time? How um, do they give? They take them out. You know, they're, they take them out to a picnic or to Ocean Park or uh, just hang out with them. Just give them time. You know, sometimes people just need that, that little, you know, intimate time to take them out and... and, and and be human again. You know, in Hong Kong, they don't get that chance. Refugees are just, uh, you know, just pushed aside and, and just because Hong Kong is like a little waiting room for them. They will eventually get resettled to, you know, Canada or the U.S. But while in this time, a lot of people, people who, who have the ability, come in and help. And that's great to see. Wicked and wild. Watch out. This brings us to the end of Yan To Yan, a special six-series exploration of Hong Kong's Indian community. This is Renita Malhotrahora signing off. I'll be back with you in the autumn with more unique weekend programming on Radio 3. Stay tuned for updates, and in the interim, have a wonderful summer. Hey!